Hello, and welcome to Talking About It, a podcast from New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm your host, Cindy Graziano. COVID is transforming every aspect of our lives in ways we could have never expected. How can we adapt in healthy ways? This year, the New Canaan Abuse Prevention Partnership is dedicating its Talking About It podcast to providing practical tips to manage the stresses of living in this difficult time. The psychological and physical health of everyone is at stake. And one critical takeaway from the life during COVID that we have learned is that we must have new skills to take care of ourselves and one another. Our goal is to create an educational and open dialogue within the New Canaan community and beyond. In today's podcast, we will be discussing some personal stress management techniques for parents, and in particular, for working moms, and particularly the stress of isolation, remote working, and remote learning. Resources and reference material raised in today's discussion are available on our website. We are so fortunate today to have with us two panelists. We will discuss this topic And we want to leave today with some real strategies and ideas for moms during these times. Georgette Harrison is a licensed professional counselor and director of clinical and community partnerships at the Child Guidance Center of Southern Connecticut and affiliate of community health centers. She's also a mom with two young children under the age of five. And Stacy Walker, Stacy holds a master's in education and is the education and program coordinator for New Canaan Cares. She too is a mom with three children in middle and high school. So thank you both for being with us today. And let's start with your own journeys. At what point did you know that this was going to be a more difficult process, more than just a couple of weeks of a change? Georgette? Sure. Um, I think that there are two moments that really stick out in my mind. Uh, One was in early April 2020, and both my kids had been at home since March, and I was still very much working full time, but from home. And I remember sitting at the edge of my daughter's bed, rubbing her back to help her sleep. And I just had this out-of-body experience where I just thought, any minute now, I'm going to wake up. This is just going to be, this is just too strange to be reality. And this is just gonna be a bad dream. Immediately followed by a thought of, I don't know if I can do all of this. This is too much. Um, And then the other moment that comes to mind, it was sometime over the summer when I had a dream that I was, it was Thanksgiving and I'm at Bed Bath & Beyond looking for a turkey baster and I realized I don't have a mask on and I'm in the store and I'm trying to cover my face with my jacket. And when I woke up, I thought, okay, it's official. So if mask wearing has entered my dreams, if the pandemic has been here long enough for that to happen, I need to somehow figure out how to make this work because this is my new reality. Interesting. And and I think that is, those moments really do drive home that this was going to be different. Stacy, what about you? When did you first realize that this is different? 
Well, I think for me, I remember the date, March 11th, that my children came home and said, oh, we're going to online learning. And I said, oh, okay. And I was waiting for that email. As always, the kids have the, the information first and I wait for the confirmation. And I received that email and I thought, okay, well, this is going to be different, but we'll see how it goes. Kind of thinking they're closing the school for two weeks and this could be fun, right? Looking at it, trying to be positive. Let's see, I have my kids home. I'll be working from home as well. So the first week, I think it was great. We were home, we were finding a balance. I got to see them, you know, we had family dinners and a week wasn't surprising because we would have vacation for a week. And then we went into week two, still not too surprising because sometimes over Christmas break, we're out for 10, 12, 14 days. And then after that, and the email started coming that we had to stay remote, and I found myself sitting in my sunroom finding fabric and old elastic to sew masks, something I never had to do before. I don't really sew. I sat there thinking, okay, this is real. This is going to keep going. We have to make these masks to keep us safe if we want to go out anywhere. And then I think probably a month in when I kind of looked around and saw my house and I was putting in laundry while trying to work, trying to ma manage both the house chores and the working chores, I thought, okay, this is probably going to be a little while and I have to start figuring out how to balance it all. Well, both all of those examples are from both of you really indicate that there were definitely moments that we had to pivot and there were emotions involved with that. Let's talk a little bit about what you've heard from other moms about the emotions just over the course of the year. Georgia, what are some of the very specific emotions that moms are talking about? Sure. Well, what I'm hearing more and more in the therapy room and that we've all been reading in the media recently is that caregivers are exhausted. They're feeling like it's harder and harder to try to fulfill all the different roles that we've been asked to do. You know, we need to be attentive parents and thorough and conscientious employees, distance learning coaches, IT support, chefs, therapists, I mean, everything. We have to be everything. And caregivers are burning the candle at both ends at the expense of their own self-care and their own mental health. And for those who choose or who can't afford to quit their job, you know, they're waking up before their kids wake up to try to get some work in. They're helping their children with their schoolwork throughout the day. They're doing the usual housework. They're getting their kids to bed. And then they're putting in even more hours of work to try to, you know, work full time. And it's not sustainable. And in my therapy room, I hear parents talk more and more about feeling depressed, anxious, isolated. Like there's no end in sight. And the other predominant feeling that I think um, I've been hearing more and more about is that as parents, somehow like we're failing in at least one of these roles, if not all of them. And it's taking not just a toll on our own mental health, but also our relationship with our children and with our partners. And there's this sense that somehow we're making we're doing irreparable damage to our children. And so parents try to quiet these feelings by any means necessary. And sometimes it's in healthy ways, sometimes it's in not so healthy ways, like drinking. You know, the rate of mental health issues and substance use amongst adults during the pandemic has skyrocketed. And it's no wonder, 
given the level of loss and the level of stress that everyone is experiencing. You know, and once in a while, I hear a parent talk fondly of a particular moment that they shared with their child during the day, one that they might not have experienced during pre-pandemic days, like witnessing their child take their first step or hearing their first word. But overall, there's a sense almost of being forgotten, of having to put on a brave face for the sake of their children, of failing uh, their children in some significant life-altering way. But at what point do parents begin to see a different way out, or is there? Um, I think it's, I think it really depends on the family, right? And the decisions that they have made as a family and what, um, what resources are available to them. This is a great opportunity to really um, think about resilience. But I want to be mindful of saying that resilience comes in many, many forms, right? We shouldn't expect anyone to be thriving under these circumstances because you know, thriving only happens when all of our basic needs are met and we feel safe. And who feels safe really, truly nowadays, right? But I think we can hope to find some meaning and purpose to our days. The fact that parents wake up every morning and do it all over again shows me to what degree they're able to really dig deep and find it within themselves to keep caring for their families. And that is what resilience looks like for the vast majority of families. I've also seen really genuine acts of generosity towards others outside of their families and people who have found meaning in all of this by finding a way of giving back and finding a sense of purpose through a community project, like a group of moms that I know who got together and they made tray after tray after tray of lasagnas for families who were going through food insecurity. And then other people responded to this effort by offering to buy the ingredients and going to the grocery store for them or other moms who were involved in delivering the food so that it wouldn't all fall on the same people. And you know, involving your kids in these acts of kindness towards your community, it's not just an invaluable lesson for them, but it provides your children with a sense of control at a time when there isn't a lot of control to be had. You know, your resilience might be finding the way to hug your children a couple of times a day, despite feeling incredibly touched out. Or, or in my case, watching Coco Melon for the 20th time today with my child without pulling my hair out. You know, that's resilience too. And it's those small moments of connection that your child will actually remember. Thank you, Georgette. And again, some really good tips and techniques. And before we dig in a little bit more to those practical practices that moms can embrace, Stacy, let's talk a little bit about how children are responding during this time. What you're seeing or hearing as children of very busy and sometimes overwhelmed moms. Well, I think with ongoing stress and fear and uncertainty, it can wear on everyone from your youngest child to your middle schooler to your teen and to obviously us adults. And I think what's important to recognize is that during this time, developmental, appropriate developmental stages are still taking place. So when 
children are showing anxiety or separation anxiety or clinginess for younger children or perhaps waking up in the middle of the night or wetting the bed where they used to not. Um, some of these things could be their age appropriate developmental milestones, but we question as parents, is this quote normal? Should my child be doing this? Um, and so I think for our younger children, when, when we look at those things, we know our children and we have our instincts. And I will say, your instincts are going to be right as a parent, as a caregiver. And if you feel this is not looking right, it doesn't feel right, call your pediatrician. Um, your pediatrician is a great resource to help you and guide you to answer some of those questions and to also to refer you to someone else if necessary. And I think when we pivot to our teens, they might show different signs. They may withdraw. They may have rage. They may, you know, not want to do things that they used to want to do. They might hold things in. So again, when you look at your child, if this is maybe something new and it's ongoing and you say to yourself, okay, this is worrisome, call your pediatrician call your doctor. There are many resources. And I think something that's really important is watching your children, listening to them, checking in with them. They may not want to talk. They may not want to share, but let them know that you're there. And it may mean for the teenagers, they come back at 10 o'clock at night and say, you know what? Mom, dad, grandma, aunt, uncle, I need to talk now. You asked me how I was feeling and I'm ready to tell you. For a younger child, it may mean sitting down draw a picture with them. You know, they might, they might not have the words to tell you how they feel. And you know what, they may not know, but sit down and maybe say, let's draw a picture together. Can you draw how you're feeling? Or let's draw a picture that maybe makes you happy or sad. And through those pictures for those younger children, you get to see their feelings. So let's begin to turn our attention besides the ideas that you've already raised, to some very practical tips and techniques for moms every day or every week, things that they can be doing to try and manage during this difficult time. Georgette, what are some of the great ideas that you have recommended or moms have shared with you that are really working? So there was a very timely New York Times opinion piece that I read today about the, the results of a survey that Ellen Galinsky, the chief science officer of Bezos Family uh, Foundation conducted after the pandemic had started. And she had also gotten a set of um, data before the pandemic had started. And one of the things that she mentioned was that um, one way in which our children, and she's surveying not just parents, but also children, and one of the ways in which children are noticing our stress and one of the things that they wish would be different is how often we yell at them. They wish that there was less of that going on. Um, and so one of the things that um, I always recommend is that you try to find ways to get some space or distance whenever you notice that you're starting to lose your patience or you're in interaction that you know will likely not end up well because you've had many of these interactions before. And do you remember when we were told in elementary school that if your clothes ever caught on fire, you should stop, drop, and roll? Yes. So, <laughs> so Dr. Laura Markham writes that when tempers rise, you should stop, drop, and breathe. 
So you stop everything that you're doing. You stop moving, stop talking, and you drop your agenda. What it is that you wanna say is really important. And it may seem even incredibly important in that moment. And it doesn't mean that you're not gonna say it. It just means that you might choose to say it at a different moment with different words. You walk away, you literally walk away and practice breathing until you feel like you're in a better place. And a place where you can be curious about what just happened between you and your child. And by the way, this works with partners too. <laughs> you know, and you can even say to your child, I need to step away for a little bit because I'm frustrated or I'm angry and I want to calm down before we keep talking. And the beauty of that is that your children will actually learn that this is how you manage big feelings, not by screaming or trying to get the last word in, but by walking away, calming down, and then coming back to try to work through things together. Stacy, what about you? What have you tried for yourself in managing during this time? I know uh, women are leaving the workforce at record number. There's that added stress as well. But whether it is for you or things that you've observed, what are some great practical tips and techniques? Well, I think Georgette completely nailed it. That was on my list too, is, you know, one of those things is you step away, you take a minute and you breathe as we wouldn't try to have a conversation with a toddler having a tantrum, right? We just need to walk away and breathe. And I think something for working moms that I've heard, even with children at young ages, we have, as moms, we have so much on our plate, but if we start delegating even giving our younger children some chores. If it's taking your plate to the mm. sink when you're done, you know what, put your laundry, one or two shirts in the washing machine. Little chores to give them that help take a little bit off of our plate. And then obviously with your older children, you can give them bigger chores, bigger responsibilities to help with the family dynamics and the mom carrying the burden of, oh my goodness, I have to do this all. You know, I've been hearing, you know what, I'm done. I'm just done. I don't want to do it anymore. I do it all myself because that's part of being a mom. I think we take it all on and we want to make sure it's going well and make sure it's, it's right and done right. But if we give the responsibility to our children, small or big, that helps take it off our plate and it gives them independence and it helps create and grow independent children, teens, and young adults. Is there anything that moms can practice mentally? Is it, is it a mindfulness technique or something that can really help them feel more secure and confident in what they are able to do and how they are so resilient? Maybe two important things are, number one, to recognize you are not alone. Oftentimes that's the way we feel. I'm the only one dealing with this, I, you know, especially now with not seeing friends and maybe not being on the phone that often and just having so much to take on, you're not finding the time to connect. So that's one thing I would say, remind yourself as hard as it is because you're feeling so alone, you are not alone. And I would say, if you could find a mantra that speaks to you, Everyone sometimes asks, give me one thing. I just need one thing. And you know what? The shoe doesn't fit everyone. And so I like to always give practical, a couple of practical tips that people could take away that may work for them. So maybe it's, 
you, you know, a mantra for you, something that speaks to you. And sometimes, sometimes what I like to say to parents is think of yourself as a younger child. You as a parent, parent you as a younger child. What would you say to that child? What would you want them to know about you? What would you want them to hear? And so I think if you can visualize that, you might be able to tell that to yourself as a parent. Also, what I like to say is if you look around your house and you find something that brings you joy, look at that. Maybe it's once a day. Focus on that that can help you get through the day. Some people I know write post-its, great inspirational post-its, or you are strong, I can make it through the day. Put it on your bathroom window, put it on your child's bathroom, not window, sorry, mirror, <laughs> wherever it might work for you. Um, and hopefully some of those things will work so you can feel that you can get on with your day and that you can handle it. And what I also like to tell parents is day by day, hour by hour, sometimes minute by minute, Try to remember that. Good. Those are, are all great points and very practical. Georgette, anything that you can add to that great list we've got going? I completely agree with Stacy. that really going back to this idea that you're not alone, finding that support system for you. I mean, there are very few things that are more cathartic and anxiety reducing than being able to share with someone that you know, you feel like a terrible parent because your kids have had pizza for dinner in front of the TV for the third night in a row. And you can't wait for them to go to bed so that you can binge watch a show or maybe do something for yourself. And, and you may or may not have changed out of your pajama bottoms that day. And have another parent say to you, you know, same here, mama. You know, to know that you're not the only one going through this experience. But also, you know, there will be times when getting that validation will not be enough. And, you know, you might notice that you're having a hard time sleeping or you're sleeping too much or your appetite is through the roof or you're not, you don't have any appetite at all. You're sad or you're anxious most of the time and little things are bothering you and it's hard to feel at peace and you don't want to burden anyone with how you feel. And those are the times when you might want to think about reaching out to a therapist because while we're all going through very, very similar things, having to suffer through it or white knuckle through it isn't necessary mm -hmm. and, it's, and, and it's not sustainable. So those are the times when I would say to your friend or to your partner, you know, this is more than what is sustainable and I don't wanna keep feeling this way please help me find someone to talk to. You know, and, and you may wonder if asking for help may make it so that like it, it, you might look weak or that somehow you're overreacting and you should be able to just get through this and just power through this. But you know, if you broke your leg and you were in pain, you wouldn't say to yourself, let me just keep walking on it. You know, I shouldn't overreact. I can just power through this. And emotional pain is really no different and should be treated the same way by taking care of yourself and by seeking support. Is there any tip or technique to remind moms of how much they have accomplished 
that can help build the momentum and stability and foundation for what is still unknown for a number of months going forward? Anything, Georgette, that you can address there for moms? I think um, trying to set realistic expectations for yourself as a parent and knowing that it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. And that it's okay for your kids to know that sometimes you have bad days too. And I think that's a very important teachable moment that can happen when you have a conversation with your child and you let them know that even grownups feel overwhelmed sometimes and that those feelings are tolerable and they eventually pass. And you know, then children can start to see that feelings, especially things like sadness and anxiety and anger, those feelings are safe and they don't need to completely overwhelm you and that it's okay to say that you're not okay. And I can imagine that on a particularly rough day, my mantra might be, you know, everyone is alive. Everyone <laughs> made it out alive today and that's good enough for now. And, and that that's my standard for that day, to set that realistic expectation that this is good enough for now and, and we're all good. And that's, that's good enough for now. Great, excellent. Thank you both so much. There have been so many great tips and te techniques and some daily practices from hugging your children to uh, walking away and taking a breath before reacting emotionally to calling friends to making sure you're taking care of yourself to delegating as you had mentioned Stacy uh, some things about uh, making sure you have some mantras and some reinforcement that can help you manage your day thinking about today what can I do today and and we got through today some of those techniques that really are a discipline for ourselves to do every day. So thank you both so much for sharing your good insight and your practical ideas. And to our listeners, we hope that you also enjoyed this podcast and that you found some very practical knowledge that you can start applying right away. Future episodes will deal with those tips that parents can work with, whether you are in the sandwich generation, whether you have adult children living at home, or whether you are caring for someone that is more senior. All of the Talking About It podcasts want to address some of those real challenges and put together great ideas for you. Talking About It is a community production from New Canaan, Connecticut, created by the New Canaan Abuse Prevention Partnership D.D. Bartlett founder and produced by Robert Doran. It is supported by the New Canaan Community Foundation and many other organizations. If you or someone you suspect is in crisis, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273 8255. To learn more about the subject discussed today and resources on all our podcasts, please visit our website at talkingaboutit.org. The series will be broadcast on YouTube, talkingaboutit.org, and enjoy any of these podcasts on the major podcasts 
such as Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and on New Canaan Public Access Channel 79. I'm your host, Cindy Graziano. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you in our next episode of Talking About It.